This is To Be Continued, the Coming Out Saga podcast, and I'm Amber Birch. At the moment, I use she, they pronouns, though that could change at any time, and I am here to normalize that for myself and anyone else. I came out first as pansexual and now as queer at the age of 40 after an eight-year marriage. This podcast is my attempt to sift through the many layers that are part of the after of coming out. I hope in my stories and the questions I'm sitting with, you'll ultimately see glimpses of your own story and space to be with it all. This podcast is an exploration of personal identity. I'm sure there will be times I use terms or language that don't feel right for you. And the language I use will likely continue shifting and evolving as I also learn, change, and grow in my identity. This is part of the process I'm sharing here. So I ask that you listen with an open heart, an open mind, and I welcome respectful engagement and polite feedback at any time. If not with myself directly, then I hope you will bring your thoughts to your own community and find meaningful dialogue within yourself and the relationships in your daily life. I'm glad you're here. Hello, friends. It feels good to be back. I realize that podcast episodes, recordings have significantly slowed down in the last months and I've talked about that and reasons why and it really is interesting to see how, um, you know, naturally coming out there's like these big components of story that get talked about right away and then it once you kind of move through those things it gets down into this really nitty gritty place of like living in a bunch of process and those are things that you know are less identifiable as points of of podcast conversation and it's more just like being in it you know but as I'm coming up really as I'm at a year of, um, you know, having come out, uh, to my first little group of, of people in my life, um, I, I find myself reflecting, (laughs) you know, a bit on all that has come to my awareness, all the ways that I've just transformed and questioned and unfolded in this last year, how how things have changed for me in so many ways. And so I thought that'd be a good podcast episode, I think. Some of it's going to be, you know, obviously things that I've already touched on before, but I still think it's worthwhile to just reflect on it. Um, The things that I've really learned this last year about queerness and what that means for me and, you know, maybe some of this will also be something that is helpful for other people. The whole point of this is not to define queerness for anybody else. 
Um, but really to just sink into what queerness is coming to look like and mean in my life. And I think it's really kind of significant and fun that the place that I'm recording this right now is um, on a beach towel by a river and I'm just laying naked on this towel. (laughs) And that just feels very poignant for the topic of what queerness means to me because I really feel like getting comfortable with my body in that way with just like being naked in a very um, concrete physical way is also symbolic of what coming out into my queerness has felt like so it's a little visual for y'all um so let's just get to the list of things As I sat down to think about what queerness means to me, the first thing that came to mind is that queerness is far more expansive than sexual orientation. I think that that's something that's known and understood to a lot of people who are queer, but it's not something that was evident to me from the outset. I think that there was a lot of association with queerness being about who I was attracted to and, you know, who I wanted to be with uh, romantically, sexually. And that's a huge, that can be a huge component of it, not for everyone, but it can obviously be a huge component of queerness, but it's just one room in the house, essentially, of queerness. And the way that I've come to understand and really experience queerness for myself has been more as this way of being and moving through the world. And there's a lot of, a lot of ways that that is manifested in my life and continues to manifest in my life. And I think that if I, if I had to think about like, the part of me that feels maybe the most queer, I really think that it's not about the kind of person I'm attracted to. Um, it's really the part that there's this part of me that doesn't feel completely at home or at ease with being in the human world just solely in the human world like I don't know how I can explain this (laughs) Um, because maybe this will make sense this is going to make sense to some people immediately who I guess are wired this way and it's going to sound I don't know the way it's going to sound to other people um but I've had this this just experience this feeling for a number of years that while I love human beings and I am a human being and I want to be part of the human world, it's like not enough for me. Like I don't entirely feel at ease or at home 
with just humans. I feel that I am most myself and most alive when I am in relationship with really non-human creatures. And it's funny because when I think of that now, when I, when I hear myself say that, it sounds a little bit like how I feel in my being non-binary. It's like I, I still identify with the she and her parts of me, but I also I like really identify now with like the they and the them. Like I'm not completely outside um I'm not outside that experience um or that identifying with a more female part of me, but like it's it's just a part. It's not all that I am and so there's a part of me that feels like yes I am I'm at home in in my humanity but there's some part of me that feels like I'm most human (laughs) outside of it too and it's very difficult to explain that but it feels very like a very queer experience for me (laughs) um and I love that I love understanding it that way I love that queerness can be so much more. And I really think that queerness for me has, I'm, has been just this way of progressively coming out in my life and in my identity and how much it thrills me to be able to step into these challenging places of courage and vulnerability and self-discovery and growth. Um, There's a thrill in that. It's been some of the the hardest work of my life um, has been attached to this, but it's also been like the most rewarding, enriching experience of my life and so I think I now that I've tasted that it's like I can't imagine my life without that sort of way of being alive is that I am constantly coming out and that can look so many different ways another thing about queerness for me, is that labels can be very fluid. They can also be restrictive. They can be helpful, and they can be discarded. They're really at someone's, like, discretion of whether or not they're of service. And I know it felt really important to me in the beginning to be aligned with a label as a form of just being able to self-identify my queerness and, and just validate it to feel like I was a part of something that was legit and I wasn't making it up in my head, you know, like, no, this actually is a thing. And I, I kind of needed that to be able to like anchor into that initially and so for me, that, that label I, 
you know, at first the way that I understood that, the way that I needed to make sense of that was like, oh, I'm pansexual. Um, and that felt really good for a while. And then that came under question um, over time and as I was like moving through different experiences until I just realized I just really love the label queer. It just really fits me. It's a big umbrella that a lot of things can stand under and don't need to be, um, I don't need to be fixated on something that feels restrictive to me. Um, and then that shifted back to, well, maybe I still am pansexual, but whether or not that's true actually doesn't feel super important to me. <laughs> like, and so then landing back on, I can still call myself queer and that feels good, but I also still, I also might be pansexual. Um, and whether or not that is of importance to me is, is my choice. And there was a similar kind of trajectory with just pronouns for me and gender identity. Whereas like when I came out, I, I was clear to myself that I definitely still identified as a cis woman. And I thought, honestly, at the time, that was something I would never need to question. And lo and behold, it didn't take very long before that also came under question where I just allowed myself to, to ask the question. And, and then I thought, well, maybe I'm, you know, I was kind of like attaching to other labels, like maybe I'm androgynous, like um, I'm gender questioning, I'm, you know, just trying out these different things. Until one day, I kind of gently, gently landed on non-binary and it, it truly has been a gentle landing. It's not a place that I feel like I need to just like stake a claim on and never leave. It's like, that feels good to me right now. And then it, I go back to, well, she is still important to me, but so is they. And I'm, I'm just open to change. So I just think having learning this kind of more fluid relationship with labels, with um, different forms of identification has been a, such a growing experience for me in my queerness. I think that piggybacking on that, one of the things that I've learned about queerness this past year that's really fucking important is that no one gets to define who we are for us. I think that's one of those things that a lot of us can agree on, like that we believe that's true. But when we're experiencing places of newness and discovery and we're feeling vulnerable and kind of just uncertain in those places, like, we can be very impressionable. And it can be hard when we don't feel fully anchored in what that means for us to not 
just unconsciously allow others to form that for us. And that's something that I found myself kind of falling into, <laughs> like naturally, um, as I was navigating a lot of new experiences and relationships this year was just the way that other people would come in and tell me what was queer, what wasn't queer enough, um, what was het, <laughs> what was toxic, <laughs> what was acceptable, you know, all the things and, uh, the ways that that just kind of like caused me to wrestle with just this sense of imposter syndrome and, you know, really questioning what I could own for myself within a new community, within a new culture. And so, kind of coming full circle back to a place of, wait a second, this is mine to define, just like it's yours to define. And I am the one that has the, the only one that has the authority to call this at the end of the day. And, you know, that's a two-way street. So I can't call this for anybody else. They can't call it for me. Um, we are our own authorities in this, and um, I think that that's true with identity across the board. Another thing that I've learned about queerness for me is that it doesn't have a look. <laughs> Again, something that I could have said, oh yeah, duh, of course, this doesn't have a look. But when you're in it and when you're new... It can feel like when you're a part of a new group, as much as it's like, I wasn't trying to fit in per se, I also really desperately wanted to be identified as queer. And so that translated at times in this need to kind of change my look, to signal my queerness. And some part of this felt has felt good and okay. Like I don't mind wearing the queer pins and wearing <laughs> things that identify me as queer. Like I'm proud of it. It's part of where I'm at as a baby queer. I kind of can joke about it and take it lightly and it feels fun and good to me. I, I, I embrace this, but part of this also, um, felt like it there it was tied to some internal external pressure to that queerness needed to look a certain way um, or to not to to perhaps not look straight passing <laughs> so there just becomes a lot more complex once you start to like dig into it and so while, yes, I have changed my look throughout the year, um, you know, it, it has involved me cutting my hair and uh, growing out some armpit hair and um, you know, dress, like experimenting a, a bit with my dress, like 
those things have felt like a natural curiosity and exploration that I've needed. And they feel like me right now. Um, but they, those are not the things that make me queer. Um, I could have changed nothing and still be just as fucking queer. Um, so it, it's just like kind of shifting into that alignment with that truth uh, and being really just a, a greater level of comfort with who I am and how I identify in my queerness without it needing to be visible to other people. The fifth thing that I have learned about queerness this year is that we don't have to know that we quote unquote always knew we were queer in order for it to be true. I'm going to say that one again because that one's been really huge for me. And I think that this could be a huge one for other people too. We don't have to know that we always knew we were queer in order for it to be true of us. As I think back on a year... And I just really reflect on, you know, the age that I am, I'm 41, the life experience that I've had, the different paths that I've taken in life and the different directions that I could have gone and didn't. It's, it becomes this bigger reflection of just how life is really one big choose your own adventure. (laughs) So... There's so many things that we don't know and won't know that could have been of our lives had we chosen a different direction in our adventure. I could have gotten married potentially at like 21 or 22 (laughs) to my first boyfriend. (laughs) And I am forever grateful that that didn't happen for so many reasons reasons I don't all just need to name all of them here but I just know that had I chosen that my life would look very different and so I will never know all the ways that my life would look different but I know that I would be a pretty different person than I am today so one of the big mysteries of my life as I think about my queerness is that I don't know if I would have ever come into this awareness of myself and my identity if I hadn't, you know, and you can fill in the blank because this is true of all of us. Like we wouldn't have come to know something if we hadn't fill in the blank or maybe we would have. That's the thing. We just don't know. But if I, in this case, hadn't left my marriage, I honestly don't know that I would have ever been in a place to allow the question of queerness into my, my life, into my, my being. I didn't, there wasn't space for it. There wasn't safety for it. There wasn't curiosity for it. Yeah, there just wasn't permission for it. It felt irrelevant. 
And so I, I really, I look at people who, uh, have the stories of, you know, being happily married and also coming to a realization of, oh, I'm bisexual and, and, you know, maybe they choose to stay married, but that question had space to come out and, and they had space to navigate that in their relationship without necessarily needing to make any change. And I, I think of that. And the reason why that's amazing to me is not because whether or not somebody decides to stay is not the point. The point is that, wow, like that there was space for that to come up while you are living a different kind of a different, you've been in a different narrative. Um, and then you can integrate this big piece of information into that narrative and the narrative can just like expand. And I, there, yeah, I just can't foresee that that would have been true for me. And so I'm really grateful that I left my marriage for, for so many reasons. Um, one of them being, I was able to come into a space where there, I could invite this in and, and not even realize I was inviting it in. Um, the thing that I feel is really important about that for myself and for anyone else that needs to hear this is that the fact that this choice was involved in my queer revelation does not make my queerness itself a choice. I think that's a really important distinction because I think that there can be, again, just, there can be pushback on, well, if you're choosing to be queer, then it's not that, not valid, you know? And again, let's just loop back to the whole, nobody gets to define this for us. Nobody is the authority. So fuck that. Um, it does not matter where your queer revelation came from. It doesn't matter, period. What matters is that it is yours. And whether or not it involves any choice is, doesn't matter. Um, it's, this is a paradox that just leaves me in this place of awe and mystery. Because, again, it's just something I, I'll never know. I'll never know if I might have had a point when I was 60 or 70 years old where uh, this question finally is able to, to live in my life and I invited in. Like, I just, or if I would have gone my entire life just never meeting this part of myself. All I can say is I'm really grateful that I have. So on that note, another thing that I've learned about queerness is that there's going to be gatekeepers in every group of human beings. It could be really easy coming from just toxic experiences in one group and into a new group that you feel like finally I'm going to like find my people here. And to find that a lot of the same toxic 
ex- behaviors can still exist in that group of people. It doesn't make the group of people any less beautiful. It doesn't make the group a toxic group. It just means that we're human, right? So therefore, let's not put anybody on a pedestal. I'm super fucking proud to be queer. And I think it's incredibly diverse, beautiful community of people. And also, um, there's, there's a lot of trauma here. There's a lot of wounding. There is, you know, a lot of the same tendencies that we learned in other areas of life are brought into the ways that we interact with each other in this community too. And, and that can exist as a, as a truth and as, and we can be, just hold that lightly, hold each other with just like gentleness and some amount of just generosity, I guess, to to just remember wherever we're at, not to give away our power, no matter how much we wish to belong or overall, yeah, how amazing or beautiful a, a, a community is, it's just don't give our power away. Another thing about queerness for me is just that realization that I can belong anywhere and nowhere at the same time. This is something that I just recently picked up on in a book that I was reading, um, written by Brene Brown. And in it, she's, she talks about referencing something that Maya Angelou has said that was essentially that. Like, I, I'm not going to, I don't have the quote right in front of me. I don't want to butcher the quote, but it's essentially like that. I can belong anywhere and I belong nowhere. And digging into the context of that, learning that it really is that I belong anywhere, that I belong to myself. So really, queerness for me is this process this journey of coming home to myself in a bigger way that is about really claiming and belonging to myself first and foremost. Because again, I've come from so many experiences of feeling like I don't belong in this larger, these larger cultural groups that I've been a part of. And so on some level, these parts of me that never felt like I belonged were looking for belonging in this queer community and in this queer experience. And there can be some belonging there, but again, to hold that lightly, because really the belonging is about belonging to myself and being willing to stand alone in that and also to be connected to other people, to know how like 
how I can belong with with other people in meaningful relationships, but also letting the definitive experience of belonging be about the relationship that I have with myself. And I think that that has been so huge on this very large canvas of belonging in queer community, but also in more micro experiences of, you know, dating and love and things like that of just like, I'm not going to find necessarily like belonging with a capital B with another person. It's about belonging to me. And that is, if I, if I place my need to belong in the hands of other people or other relationships, it's always going to be there's always going to be a threat there of it, of it leaving, of it being taken away. But if I belong first to myself and really only to myself, then that is not something that can ever leave my life. I get to, I get to belong as this on a, with this continuity throughout my life. Whereas other things can be free to ebb and flow there's a thread that just remains consistent throughout of belonging that is stable and secure and safe. And that is within myself. And I think that that's been so huge. Another thing that I've learned about queerness um, in this last year is that... (laughs) the more of these scripts I had once considered just unquestionable cornerstones of my life that I am allowing myself to to become curious about, the more I find myself really longing and needing to do that work. (laughs) So... It's almost like, I mean, I, I don't, I want to use the word addicti- addicting, like very lightly here because I, um, I know it's, it's problematic to use that, but, but really like this, this experience of dismantling things has a little bit of a, a pull to it that I find, uh, yeah, I, I'll just scratch the word. <laughs> That's not not the word I'm going for. But it, it's got that. It's got a pull to it that I I want to lean into. Um, it has a momentum that I'm I'm no longer content with just accepting things as a face value truth. The the more that I find myself questioning and dismantling these scripts of truth, um, that I've been handed. And so for me, that, that journey really started with, uh, dismantling the script of religion that I'd been handed. And that was a huge script to take part. And once I did that work, it was like, that was my reference point for everything that followed is like, wow, if I can do that, 
if I can sit and survive and really come out the other end thriving, um, the process of, of letting all of that come apart in my life, um, I can do any of this work. Um, that's my baseline, you know, that's a pretty big baseline to, to be working from. And so, uh, following that, you know, it allowed me to really kind of take the script of what being committed in marriage looks like, what it means to like stay (laughs) versus leave, you know, Um, which is, again, something that's very personal to each individual that's in these experiences. And, um, and yet I'd been handed this, the script of like being committed, being married means that you endure A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like, (laughs) um, and that ended up being a script that needed to to come apart for me. And then the script of sexual orientation as just something that I was handed um, and never questioned of gender, um, monogamy, (laughs) Um, Things I'm still, I'm still questioning. I'm still taking apart these scripts and looking at, are there, which parts of these might be true in the script that I am rewriting in my life? What do I want to hold on to? And what actually is something that I just inherited, you know? Even looking at what I've considered, um, you know, safety, security, intimacy, and in relationships, the script of that, like really coming into places of, of discomfort and questioning, where did that come from? Are these things that I've identified as needs in a relationship actually my preference? Are they actually needs that I have or are they coming from some attachment wound? Are they stemming from anxiety, which is wanting me to control uh, situations and relationships so that I can protect myself from loss or rejection? Like really getting deep in there. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, and it gets really exhausting at times, but I also feel like now that I've blown open these doors in my life, I just can't see myself being content with anything less than that. It's like the more you see, the more it's like you can't unsee, you you can't unsee things, you know, just start to look at things differently. And so... I just really value that. And I feel like queerness has really helped, um, has helped me open a lot of these windows of curiosity, I guess. So maybe the, 
the last thing that I'll share that queerness is, that I've learned about queerness this last year, it's just that we're never too old to come out to ourselves. I, I think it really all comes down to how the, the lens that we want to look at our lives. I've been living the last year and a half on a farm with a community of people that's been very transient, but largely much younger than me. And as I've watched people come and go and had a number of conversations with people, I've talked to people who are, yeah, 10 years, 15 years younger than me, who have felt some insecurity about being the age that they are and at the farm and just how that feels like I'm too old to be at this point in my life where I'm living this kind of a life. And I I get really curious about that because it just feels like, where where did that come from? Why do we think that we have to be more, you know, what does established look like? What does settling down look like? What, where are these narratives and these expectations coming from that we have to, like our lives have to follow a certain timeline, you know? And um, I have really, in a, in a strange way, I, I've found a lot of resonance with the people that I've met that are just, you know, finishing college and um, kind of looking at, at launching out into the world. And I have a, a several decades of life experience more than these people do. And I have, um, you know, some maturity that I think I've earned um, and really leaned into in those years of experience that put me in a different place. I have some different resources um, that come with that. But I am also at a place in my life where I am remaking myself. I am, I've taken so much of my old life apart that it's almost unrecognizable. And I'm rebuilding everything. And that is a very, it feels like a very young place to be in. Um, It's not it's not as common for me to meet people who are my age, who aren't, you know, more established in relationship, you know, have children, have houses, have careers that they've been in for a while, you know, all these things. Um, I don't have any of that. (laughs) Um, and letting that be okay. Actually letting that be the thing that feels most aligned to me Um, because um, I think it's I look at my life 
And I, I can feel, I could look at it and say, I've accomplished nothing. <laughs> and what do I have to show for my life at this point? I should be here and here and here. Um, I should have known earlier that um, I was queer and look at all that I could have experienced. Um, I could grieve that. I could judge myself for it. I could shame myself for it. Um, I could think of all the, t- the years that I wasn't able to fully embrace myself. I could think that I, yeah, missed out on something, that I'm late. But the thing is, is that I'm right on time. Um, I can look back and say I really had to free myself from several prisons of belief before I could be in a place to receive these parts of myself. So I actually celebrate that. I actually look at where I'm at in life and I am so humbled and honored that I have the privilege of starting over so completely. That I can do the work that I'm doing, this inner work. The fact that I can do that at this age, at any age, is so beautiful and empowering to me. It's so liberating. And that's not going to be everybody's experience, but that's my experience, and I'm really proud of it. I'm more proud of it than I would be if I showed something on a resume. This is my, this is what I feel is the the resume of, of my life right now is like who I'm becoming. And so just like this reminder that we're all on different timelines. There is no measure for the right time outside of ourselves, outside of our experience. And I think leaning into that unlocks so many possibilities and I'm so grateful. So, <laughs> I love being queer. <laughs> Even more than that, I just love being able to meet more of myself every year, meeting more of myself. And I, I think that's one of the most beautiful things that any of us could say about being alive, is that it only gets better if we are able to continue to meet more parts of ourselves, right? Like how amazing is that? I wish that for anybody. And I'm certainly so grateful that that is something that is true for me and becoming more true for me, you know? So it feels really good to celebrate that at the end of this first year, (laughs) with myself on this journey and uh, I just yeah so I will I will lay here and just bask in the nakedness of that on my towel here by the river with the birds singing in the background and I hope that um, any of this (laughs) has, um, has hit home for somebody else so thank you again for being part of this journey um I wish you the best on your own and hopefully I'll you know, see you back here at some point. Mm-hmm.